Hi, welcome to Athletes Grit, from sports to life. This is a podcast interview series where I speak to current and ex-high performance athletes on their sport and how the skills learned, acquired and trained in competitive sport have translated into their professional and personal life. I hope that their true stories of grit in overcoming adversity will inspire and motivate others. Hearing stories of local athletes' journeys closer to home helps us relate better and makes each story even more meaningful. I'm Alex Lowe, consultant and coach in the fitness, health and wellness space, founder of Avery & Co, loving husband and doting father. My approach really to life is that there is never a right or wrong. You know, I, I feel like every stage that I go through, whether it was good or it was bad, um, it's always a learning opportunity. And with that learning opportunity comes growth. A lot of times you don't see tremendous growth when people are comfortable. It's only when you're put through a challenging time or, you know, you're put through something tough that you come out stronger you find a way to 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 grow and to be stronger my guest today is jocelyn yo olympian former national swimmer former nominated member of parliament mother and sports administrator i've known jocelyn's brothers since secondary school days when we were playing water polo as rivals in different schools but i never really had a chance to meet and know jocelyn on a personal level But I believe that it's never too late for things to happen. And in fact, this podcast interview could not have happened at a better time. Jocelyn talks about how sport is a lifestyle choice and not a sacrifice. The ability to understand one's internal drive to push past the most physical, emotional and psychologically difficult times. And about growth and how community is key to making that happen. Welcoming Jocelyn Yeo. Thanks so much for yeah. joining us today, Jocelyn. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I, I know I know your background and I know uh, a lot of it that you have done already. But, you know, for the listeners in today who might not be familiar with the name Jocelyn Yo, maybe you can share a little bit more about the sport that you, you, you've been doing all this while and uh, how long were you doing it for? Yeah, so um, I swam for Singapore for many, many years. Um, I, I think I was on the national team for about 17 years. Wow, something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I started, you know, my first national team when I was about eleven. Okay. So, um, started really young, and I I retired, I think, when I was about twenty seven, twenty eight, and you know, it is at that time, you know, most people didn't go uh, beyond maybe early twenties, and and they, you know, they would be done after that. So for me to have gone, you know, I mean, later into my twenties was pretty long. I think, of course, these days with smarter training and more knowledge, I think people do go a little bit longer. And mm-hmm. um, But yeah, swimming is very intense. So I think to do it for that long, um, yeah, I guess after a while, you kind of weigh your options and see if you still have that drive, you know? Yeah. For sure, right. And, you know, can, can you share with us a little bit more about, you know, transition, right? So at 11 years old, you 
you are barely, uh, you, you haven't even hit puberty yet, or maybe just about puberty, right? And then you've moved on to your, uh, your teenage years and then as a young adult and as an adult. And all this while you are doing it as a full-time athlete, right? Uh, 100% training day in, day out. And of course, with school, you had to go to school uh, and going to university yeah. as well. But uh, it was really almost like a full-time uh, athlete. Yeah, so um, it's, I mean, swimming is one of those sports where um, the, 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 the culture is that you train twice a day. So we would swim in the morning before we go to school. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, we swim again after school. So it's a twice a day training type of culture. Um, and you usually do it like six days a week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that together with your yeah, schoolwork. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so that's what I mean by it's intense, right? And then you travel for competitions, um, you know, if if you miss classes, you, when you come back, you have to make that up. It it is a pretty intense sport. Yeah. I I remember you as the golden girl of the eighties, right? And the, the media, there was always a lot of spotlight on you, uh, when you went for competitions and, you know, the different stages that you've been through. So you, you, uh, the face, right. Of swimming. And, um, can you, can you share with us, right. Um, the, the journey going through all of those times and, you know, uh, was there any point that you you felt like you wanted to 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 throw in the towel and and, and give it all up? Yeah, that, I mean, definitely. There were so many times I felt like I just wanna, I just wanna quit. So I just like do something easier, you know, do a sport that's easier. But um, yeah, and and it is tough because sometimes you you run a bit dry um, because it is so intense. And so I think a lot of the growth or the strength that, that was built into me came from those years of having to juggle so much at a time. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, when, when, you know, when, I, when I made the team in primary school, you're still living with your parents and mm-hmm. they still do most of the stuff for you, most of the other things for you. And you just kind of like swim and eat the food they put on the table and you know, and then you go to school and do your homework, right? But as you get older and, you know, and I left Singapore when I was 15 okay. and I, I studied in Australia mm-hmm. uh, and then so moving to a different country by myself, I had to learn how to look after myself. Mm. So I stayed in the boarding house for one year. And again, it's a bit like, okay, well, you know, they'll cook food for you and, and you just, <laughs> you know, eat that food, um, you know, and, and, and you don't really have chores. Uh, but um, after one year, I actually moved out to live on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was about maybe 16. And I think um, that's when things really changed because now I've got to pay my bills. I've got to do my own chores. I've got to buy my own food and cook my own food. I've got to do my laundry. I mean, I had to do everything on my own and it was not easy, you know, and it, it, it caused me to really grow up super fast. And um, when it gets tough, learning how to just dig down and, you know, find that within yourself to do what you need to do. So I, I was in Australia for um, four years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college in the US. And um, again, when I went to college in the US, you know, it's like, maybe the education part of things got more intense, because there was more classes, you know, um, I had longer labs, I had longer, like, you know, there's just so much more to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the college system, we actually traveled very often for competitions, it could be 
I mean, when we were in season, it would be every week or every other week. Uh, mm -hmm. We would have one, two, maybe three back-to-back -back competitions. And so we would then miss classes, mm -hmm. um, a lot of classes. And uh, we had to then come back and make up those classes, uh, make up the labs, you know, um, do all that. So a lot of it was being very, very focused, uh, learning, like really have to learn time management. And I think when it's that intense, you have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. There has to be that desire from within to really want to do it. So yeah, that went on for years. And of course, there were good days and there were bad days. There were so many days, you know, in those 17 years that I just felt like, oh, this is too tough. I don't want to do it anymore, you know. Um, and it started with small things. So when I was 12, I actually retired for the first time um you know and yeah so we were we were at this we were at the sea games and um you know like you said I had like the media that was chasing me and I and I really you know I had a little bit more exposure with the media because um I, I was young mm -hmm. uh, I was the youngest on the team uh you know I was making my first sea games and of course it was kind of like you know this is the up-and-coming swimmer and and everybody predicted that with the times on swimming and you know all that stuff like oh she's gonna come back with like four gold medals and mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what else they predicted, but I ended up coming back with like, uh, I think it was two silvers mm -hmm. and three bronzes, which is okay for a 12 year old. Yes. Uh, first sea games, not, not too shabby, but um, so yeah, the media had a field day with me. Um, you know, they just said, ah, oh, she didn't meet up to expectations mm -hmm. and she bombed and she didn't do well. And, and that's really tough for a 12 year old to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like, wait a minute, like how come, I am suddenly, you know, getting bashed and like, it was hard. It was hard. Mm -hmm. And and then swimming wasn't fun for me anymore because I was like, I just want to swim and I didn't sign up for this. And, you know, why, why, why is all this stuff being splashed on national newspapers and everybody saying this and that about me and, you know, say I did a really bad job. And I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah. so I told my mom, I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, I just want, you know, I just wanted to swim. I didn't want all this stuff. And um, so I, I retired. I quit swimming. Yeah. How, and, how long um, did you did you lay off for before you, you got I think it was just, I think it was just, <laughs> well, no. So I think it was just a few months. Okay. It was just a few months. Yeah. And, um, and there was a, there was this guy that I used to train with. Uh, he was a, he, he's a, he's an Australian. Mm -hmm. um, but he was actually coaching in Hong Kong at that time. And I, I had gone up to do some training sits with him. And so he flew from Hong Kong to Singapore, sat me down. And it was like, you know, like, hey, like, what's the deal, you know? And I just, and I told him, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into this. You know, I don't want all this media attention and I just want to swim. But, you know, it's like everybody's saying I did really bad and I'm like, I can't deal with it. And I just don't want to deal with it. So, you know, so he was talking to me about how, you know, um, like, like, why do you care what everybody else says? You know, you, you know what you did, you know, the, the, the effort that you put in, you know, that the result is good, like. You know, just go on and do what you enjoy doing and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and don't worry about what everybody else has to say. And and I think it was so simple, but as a 12-year-old at that point, it was stuck. Like in my head, I was mm -hmm. stuck and I, I couldn't move forward. Um, but I think, you know, just by him coming down and talking to me and, and, and helping me see a different perspective, I said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll get back into it. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I started swimming again and... Um, 
And, you know, and it's so funny, right? Because after that, it's like, I, you know, I continue to have, you know, media attention and not necessarily positive media attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, was learned, it was having to learn how to deal with it throughout my career. And I think that's probably one of the toughest for me. It was tough because I'm not so much uh, uh, of an extroverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that time also the swimming association didn't know how to deal with like media chasing down a swimmer mm-hmm. and they just thought, oh, you know, like, yeah, it's easy, you know, just let them deal with it. Um, but I was young, I mm-hmm. was very young and, and I was an introvert. So it really scared me. So it was very hard for me to deal with. But now, I mean, of course now they, you know, they know better. They give the athletes. Uh, media training you know way before and uh so they they, they they're kind of equipped with what to do they're given mm-hmm. handles on how to deal with the media so it's very different now mm-hmm. but back then you know um i think nobody knew what to do so i don't fault them it's just it's just what it is you know it's it's part of sport progressing in singapore as well so mm-hmm. uh so yeah but that was a tough journey for me you know the swimming part the the winning the losing yeah i mean you 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 eventually you learn how to deal with, with the losses and you learn to deal with things that you wish went a lot better, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so for the amount of time and effort that you put in the training, um, you know, swimming is one of those things where it's a lot of time, it's a lot of effort, and then when you get up on the blocks, it's a one shot one kill kind of situation, <laughs> you know. You either execute your plan you get the result you want or you don't there's no replay you know it's not like tennis like I hit a bad shot and okay the ball went out let's 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 give it a go again like try again you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until you get to game set match but swimming is not like that once the gun goes off it's like you got to get it right the first time you know yes for sure yeah so it's tough you know you train years for like a two-minute race or a Mm -hmm. 30-second race Mm um and uh, and when it doesn't go right um a lot of people get crushed by that what are the sorts of things that you would do to uh, psych yourself up pre-race or post-race so that you get in that zone and be in the right uh mindset yeah so for me i think a lot of it is really done before the competition Mm -hmm. um and um a lot of that mental prep is done before so i do a lot of um, like visualization um, down to the point of, of, of picking up the stopwatch and then you you know you you, you 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 see the whole race and you start the you start the clock you know when you hear the gun go in your head and then you you see yourself swimming the entire race and what each split is supposed to be you know what your stroke rate is supposed to be what it's supposed to feel like like everything is just replayed in your head and then you stop the watch when you finish that race in your head and it's getting it down where you want, you, what, what time you want to swim, right? Oh, that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of mental prep that I do before the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with visualization. Um, and, and then when it comes to actual competition day, um, uh, a lot of that is then, you know, um, just knowing and believing what you have, what you've done, the work that you've put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just going out and uh, almost like having fun with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's sometimes not as simple as that, because, you know, when you get to competition, you've got, you've got media, you've got, 
you know, you, you, you get to um, uh, like um, the pre-competition days and you get there to, to warm up and, you know, do like the last few days of training before the actual competition mm-hmm. starts. And then you see your other competition and, you know, you might not feel good in the water and then you see them like just flying down the pool and, and it, it can mess with your head, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's not so simple because, you know, there are many things along the way that come in and, um, they can distract you in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, you've got media asking you like, oh, um, is this going to be your last sea games? Are you going to like retire after this? And you're like, what? You know, and it's just, you know, there can be just many, many things that mess with your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things you can try to prepare for and some things you can't. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of it is also learning, learning um, how to deal with it on the spot. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was interesting uh, mm-hmm. going through those journeys and, and learning how to deal with that. But for me, I think a lot of that prep and how to get into the zone and doing all that was done way before the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like I said, yeah, some things you can prep for and some things I feel I, I can't really prep for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when we go to major games and stuff like that um, you know back then Singapore didn't have the luxury I think of, of bringing so many staff you know whether it's like um, sports psychologists and things like that um, just because we were a smaller country and mm-hmm. um, we didn't have as many people qualify as the biggest country so we get a lot less like passes you know um, right. to to like to come in as a coach or a staff or whatever you know mm-hmm. um yeah so so we were limited also in who we could bring to support us you know and so of course you know uh, things like uh, having a sports doctor there was like necessary right because mm-hmm. in case any of the athletes fall sick or get injured or whatever there's somebody there um I think a physio was always there but you know I mean when it came to the mental side of things we didn't mm-hmm. always have that support yeah, so it's it's really whatever you do on your own, and then you get there and you figure it out. Wow. So I I I think I think there's no one size fits all. I think every competition is different when it comes to how do you prepare yourself and get into that zone. But um, for me, I think a lot of it was done way, way before the competition. Nice. And and you know, just to uh, backtrack a little bit where you talked about as a 12-year-old, as a teenager, dealing with all of that, right? What would you, yeah. what sort of advice would you then give to parents, right? Uh, who might be putting their children through similar situations, whether it's swimming or any other competitive sport. And what is the sort of support that uh, they can possibly be giving? Or is there, uh, on hindsight, right, is there something, or if you were to put your kids through the same thing, what would you do? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, I think a lot of it is um, support and, and talking to them a lot and mm-hmm. uh, understanding where they're at, because like I said, that drive has to come from within. And if kids, when kids are young also at that age, sometimes it's understanding where they're at in terms of their uh, development as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that age, sometimes they don't know um, you know, they may feel like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and sometimes it's helping them to push those boundaries, those comfort zones a little bit more and supporting them through it because they might feel lousy today, but just, just because you feel lousy today, it's not the reason to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times there's a place where you learn how to push through it uh, and you learn how to uh, 
um, get through that. And, and then when you come out of it, you find like, hey, like I've actually grown. I've actually gotten stronger. I've actually gotten better. I've actually got more resilient, you know. Um, and, and, and then you come out better. You come out stronger. And sometimes kids don't understand that. They don't know. And so what a parent can do is really to help them through those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, because kids at that age live very much on feelings. Um, so it's helping them through those feelings and um, helping them to process it. Um, and where is that line where, you know, they're just done? They're, you know, they're really just done and there's no more drive to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and where's the part where, you know, they just need to push the boundary a little bit and get over the top and then they'll be better. I think that really comes from a parent's feel of where their child is at. So for a parent, I think it's understanding that there is that place where sometimes they have to push that comfort level a little bit for their child and help them through those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also observing where they're at because sometimes, you know, if it's over a really long period of time and you, you're the one that keeps having to push them, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then after a while, you know, given time, you know that they're done already. They've got no more in them to to go. And then I think that's when it's like, okay, you reevaluate. Is this something that you really want to do? Because mm-hmm. um, if it's not, then look, move on. Do something else that you're actually passionate about and you're actually interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to be the parent that is pushing them for years. Then you know, at the end of the day, you know, they, they're not even sure why they're doing it. They're doing it for themselves because they enjoy it. They're doing it because my parents pushing me, you know, mm-hmm. um, because that level of pushing doesn't get very far. The kid actually burns out really, really fast and um, you just don't get very far. Um, yeah, you, you really need that internal drive to, I think, go long, mm-hmm. you know, have that, that longevity in, the, in your career um, and each, actually maybe go beyond what you even thought you could do Mm -hmm. um it requires that internal drive so i mean i think that would be what i would tell parents Mm -hmm. um you know there's no one size fits all but be available be in touch with where your child is at and you know have conversations with them so you know how they're feeling and you know how to help them and um how to when you keep pushing and when you just you know kind of got to take a step back and say okay look uh, what, what, what do you want to do with this, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, right? And with this internal drive that you've been speaking about, uh, what was your internal drive, right, to have continued for 17 years? Was it just, yeah. I enjoy swimming and I want to do it? Or were there specific goals and milestones that you say, okay, I enjoy swimming, but uh, these are the things that I would like to be achieving with the entire uh, process of enjoying swimming? Um, I, I guess it, it, it changed over time. So mm-hmm. when I was younger, I just wanted to be able to enjoy the sport and I just wanted to um, like go out and have fun. And, you know, um, and I think that was, that's always something that's very important that you have fun, even with the racing and even with the pressure um, that you are enjoying doing it. You know, you, you relish um, that, that sphere of competition where, um, yeah, there is pressure, where, you know, you got to stand up and race, that kind of thing. Um, you, you, you've got to enjoy that. Um, but it's a growth process, I feel. I feel mm-hmm. it doesn't come um, automatically. I think that uh, for me, when I was younger, a lot of it was just having fun. And then, and then it grew, right? As I, as I progressed, of course, even my, my vision of myself, it's like it became clearer. So at first, it was just going out and having fun. And then as, as my times got faster, 
Mm-hmm. Right. I realized that, oh, like I can actually compete at a sea games level, you know, and then your vision gets bigger, it clearer. And then you get to the Asian games level and you're like, okay, right. Well, you know, I think I can do much more. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and so that, that picture gets clearer, I feel, um, as time goes along and you come to that place where um, you can see that there's that possibility that, look, you know, I, I really believe that um, going to the Olympics, you know, meddling at the Olympics or whatever, that, that's my goal. And so for me, I think I always wanted to uh, be able to final at the Olympics, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I wanted to be able to do that to just get the most out of myself, you know. And so because of that, uh, I, I really was a student of the sport. I, I did everything that I could um, to learn the sport, um, whether it's in the water or out of the water. Mm-hmm. You know, I studied a lot of things. I, I looked at all the intricacies um, and, 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 you know, I, I looked at even different training methods that, that other sports are doing and like why they're doing it and, you know, just all, all kinds of stuff. And, and I just learned everything that I could about the sport. And, you know, and it's interesting because it's something that has carried on into like uh, my schoolwork. Mm-hmm. So uh, with school, you know, we, we missed so so many classes it was not funny and then having to come back and make up for it was very very hard because on top of doing your normal load now I'm catching up from you know the two days of school that I missed last week and um and you major you majored in kinesiology right uh sport yeah uh, exercise physiology yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. majored in kinesiology so I had labs Mm-hmm. You know, I had six hour labs. So when I had to make up a six hour lab by myself, like in the lab by myself, <laughs> that's, that's, that's hard. I'm like in there by myself for six hours and I'm like, there's nobody in the lab but me. And I'm in here for six hours, you know, and it didn't matter that I got the stuff done faster than six hours. But because mm-hmm. I had to put time in, I had to be in there for six hours by myself. And I'm like, yeah, it's rough because I, I, I end up like studying other things, you know, but uh, yeah, so, it, it, you know, it's learning how to deal with all that and um, translating that into my, 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 my schoolwork. And so I began to take that approach of how do I learn? You know, I, I know that in Singapore, a lot of people, they memorize things and I'm not so good at that. <laughs> so for me, a lot of it was really understanding concept. And if I can understand the concept behind it, then I can apply it to whatever question you ask me in the exam, you know? And, and so I began to study and understand what I what is actually in front of me and not just try to memorize it and then regurgitate during an exam. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that approach, I think, has been, uh, I've, I've taken that approach through my life. You know, um, if I need to do something, I'll go look at it and really try and figure it out and really try to understand what happens in this thing and then you know I try to fix it so that's yeah so that's been my approach um, and it seems to work for me and you know um, there's this term I've heard in Singapore since coming back to Singapore it's called like lifelong learning or something like that and I thought <laughs> yes. oh that, I think that applies to me you know <laughs> um, I know it's a very like uh, I don't know what I don't know where this term comes from, but, you know, I'm like, okay, is it lifelong learning? Yes, I think that's me. 
Um, but I, it, it's an approach that really works. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah. also about uh, the growth mindset, right? That not being yeah. not being content with the status quo and you know keep wanting to learn something new and, and to acquire knowledge. I think that's exactly what you've been doing uh, all your life, right? Let's let's talk yeah. a little. Let's talk a little bit about the highs, right, uh, Jocelyn? Uh, can, can, yeah. I'm sure there were many highs, right? You know, the, the metal halls or maybe a, a, a PB yeah. or maybe even a new record. But uh, which which yeah. were the most significant highs for you in that 17-year uh, career as a, a swimmer? Um, I think, I think uh, for me, it really was um, when I was in the US, uh, I, I swam in college and we were at the NC2A and... Um, you know, we actually had kind of a rough, you know, rough start going into that competition. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we kind of band together as a team, got behind each other. We supported each other. We were encouraging each other. And we just kind of like, you know, getting everybody again, like, hey, guys, you know, not let's not let this other thing that has happened get us down. But, you know, we know what we've done. We know this is what we want to go after. And we just kind of brought that energy level up and we ended up, uh, breaking a world record in one of our relays, um, wow. which I was on, mm-hmm. you know, and so that was, I mean, that was pretty cool for me because I think um, it, it really was like everything put together, right? Like things are not going your way. And then, you know, for us, like uh, coming together and, and figuring out like, hey guys, how do we get through this? Let's not let, let this thing distract us, but, you know, let's refocus, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, we've trained all year for this. And it's our time now. Let's just not let this get in our way. And, you know, and we did that together as a team, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and to get everybody on board was not easy, but it, it's like everybody just coming together and doing that. And, and then um, I did well in my races, but, you know, to break a world record with the team, mm-hmm. um, I think that was really special because, you know, it's not, it's not just me anymore. It's like everybody like pulling their weight and everybody was like you know everybody was on board on on the, on the bandwagon and mm-hmm. uh, we ended up getting a really good result so um that was really exciting for me because it, it was hard I think mentally more than anything mm-hmm. uh, mentally and emotionally because uh, and then of course having the race go the way you want uh it was special like, just having everything come together Nice, yeah. nice. And was this the 4x200 medley or it was the 4x200 freestyle? Um, yeah, so this was the 4x100 oh. um, medley relay. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, think, it, yeah. It, it, it's interesting for you, for me to hear you talk about uh, uh, your most significant moment being a, a team uh, moment as yeah. opposed to, you know, you having won yourself a personal best or you know even a record on your own so yeah that's that's good to hear and, and nice nice to know as well right um what about the lows right uh were they yeah. a, a really most significant one where maybe you you laid off the longest or i i'm not sure maybe there was a, a time that uh, you were going through a rough patch and if you'd be yeah. all right to share that yeah yeah so i i think for me um probably one of the lowest points was low and significant i think mm-hmm. Um, was um, at the 2000 Olympics Mm -hmm. and um, so 2000 Olympics and and again this is you know coming off a year where we just broke the world record Mm -hmm. Um, I was swimming really well Um, things were going very well Um, and um, and I thought all right well this is the Olympics where I really believe that I was going to you know I'm going to be top eight in the finals 
mm-hmm. at the Olympics. I really thought that that was the year it was going to be, it was going to happen. And um, I think it was a day before, yeah, maybe one or two days before my race. Um, you know, uh, my mom and my brother were there and mm-hmm. they, they called me up and they, they were like, look, we need to see you. Can you come out of the village for a while? And I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, come to our hotel, you know, and, 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 and we've got permission and I'm like, all right, you know, like what's going on? And, mm-hmm. and so I get there, you know, I get there and um, they basically tell me that my younger brother has been in an accident mm. and um, it was, uh, you know, he, he was, he was in a, in a taxi. Mm-hmm. He was in NS at that time. So he was going from one army camp to another army camp and mm-hmm. he was in a taxi with some of his army buddies. Uh, it was raining, so they had to take a taxi. And um, uh, they were coming around a bend. And, um, you know, they, they just got in, but they were coming around a bend. And um, the, the, the lorry on the opposite side of the road mm-hmm. had lost control. Mm-hmm. And he was in their lane. And it's a two-way thing. So mm-hmm. the lorry hit that taxi head on mm-hmm. and um, killed the driver on the spot. Yeah. The taxi driver was killed on the spot. Um, when I looked at the picture, um, that the whole front of the taxi was flat. It mm. was smashed. And my younger brother was sitting in front. Wow. And his army buddies were sitting behind. And um, so he was in a coma. He broke his uh, shoulder blade, cracked his shoulder blade. Uh, and then he cracked and dislocated his hip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in a coma. And you know, and suddenly, you know, my whole world just stopped. And I, I, it was hard. I I couldn't, I was trying to, trying to process what was going on, you know, and, and so the reason they were telling me this was because the media obviously knew about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my younger brother was a national triathlete. So Mm -hmm. they, they knew um, of him. And, um, and yeah, and then, and then I was going to have, uh, I was meant to have a media interview um, after one of my training sessions that day, and mm-hmm. the media was going to ask me about that. And so my mom and my brother thought, all right, she shouldn't have to hear it from the media. She should at least hear it from us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so they, they had known, but they were trying to keep it from me until after my races. But that, you know, the media wasn't going to have it. They were like, no, we're going to ask her about it. And, right, and they right. tried to talk to them and, and, you know, they refused to back down. And so, yeah, my, my mom and my brother had no choice but to actually tell me. That was a good move. But it stopped. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it stopped my whole world. I, I could not process um, what was happening, and um, I uh, I had a really hard time. It, it just everything in my head just stopped. Mm-hmm. I I you know I wasn't sure whether I was going to lose my brother. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um and it was tough. It was tough. I mean, don't even talk about swimming. I didn't even want to get in the pool anymore. Right. I'm like, dude, just send me home, you know, just fly me home. It doesn't matter. Like, what is the Olympics compared to my brother's life, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was hard. I, I, I had to, uh, they're like, no, you, you, you can't go home, you know? So I'm like, no, I'm having to stay in Sydney and swim and like figure it all out. And I, and I you know, I swam my races, but my head was not in it. You know, my head was on, my, my head was not in it. And, and needless to say, I didn't make the finals. I didn't, I didn't get that result that I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that one year that I thought, right, everything is really progressing and moving in the way that I thought this is the year I'm finally going to make it. It didn't happen. Mm. And it didn't happen. And, um, um, and it was hard because I think, you know, everybody knew that. My mom knew that. My brother knew that. And, 
And so that's why they were trying to protect me from that information until after my races. Um, but the fact that the media wouldn't budge, you know, there was no choice. They had to tell me. Mm-hmm. So it was hard. I, I think that was probably my lowest point and, and, and I didn't want to swim anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in the U S anymore. I didn't want to continue my education and my swimming and everything. I just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see my brother. So I think that was hard. Um, I think that was for me, it wasn't just a low point, but it was significant because I, I had to make, I had to, I had to reevaluate mm-hmm. uh, whether this is something I really want to do and whether I really need to do. Mm-hmm. Um you know, um, and, and it was, it was, yeah, it was really hard. And I think I, I think eventually I came to the place where, you know, I felt like my brother wouldn't want me to get up and quit. And I think it, it was significant enough for me to reevaluate, do I really want to do this? Because I can also swim in Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can, wouldn't be swimming at the level that I need to, but I guess I can. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then it's, and then, then it's that compromise and it's, you know, and then, you know, within you, you're not really giving it everything that you've got. And um, so, yeah, so it was really hard for me. That was a very, it was a very low point and it was very significant because I had to make that choice to decide that no this is what I want to do you know mm-hmm. and of course it, it didn't come straight away it was after I don't know weeks of you know thinking through it so of course the Olympics came and went mm-hmm. like that it came and went you know nothing significant happened in the pool um, but I think in terms of life and where I was at with swimming itself um, it was significant because uh, the answer I came to was that look, my brother wouldn't want me to quit, and yes, this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. and 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 yes, this is the this is the trade off um, for me at that point. It, if I want to do it and and get the most out of myself, then where I need to be right now is here in the states, you know, going through college, um, uh, training in this environment. Uh, and, 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 and getting that through and getting the best out of myself. So, and with my family at home, right? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and, and I have to deal with that, right? So, yeah, so it was hard. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing, Jocelyn. And um, I remember this incident, actually. So I know Gerard as well, right? And he, he is yeah. well, right, at the moment, right? So, yes. Yeah, yeah uh, and it's good for listeners to know that he is well and, uh, yeah. and happy, right? Yeah, and so, so did you actually try for the another four years for the next Olympics? And uh, was that then the, mm-hmm. uh, the next stage, which was retirement? Yeah, so I did. Um, I went to another Olympics after that, 2004. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's one of those things where I, I finished college somewhere in between. Uh, and then it was transitioning from that to being like a semi-pro athlete, mm-hmm. you know, and then things change, the environment changes and, you know, and then also in the U.S., you know, when you finish college, you have like maybe a year to try and either find a job or something or other, otherwise you have to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't stay on a student visa anymore. You have to be on something else, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just go in and stay there. So, um, yeah, so there was a lot of those changes that were happening. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to work in the U.S. and what I would work as, you know. Um, I mean, I could do something in the sports field, but I, I didn't, you know, there, there weren't so many opportunities at that time for mm-hmm. foreign um, 
uh, foreign students or you know foreign passers. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was internal. So um, so yeah, there was a lot of transition through that. Also, um, I went to another Olympics, but I think maybe the situation, the training situation, wasn't as ideal as it was back in 2000. Um, um, there was just a lot more um, that I had to deal with. And um, yeah, and so, I mean, 2004 went okay. Uh, I, I think, again, I didn't, I don't think I got the best out of myself at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's after the Olympics, uh, towards the end of the year is when I ended up coming back to Singapore because, mm -hmm. right, again, my, my, my visa was expiring. So I came back. And I was here for a year mm -hmm. before going to Australia to train again. Mm -hmm. After trying it out for a year here in Singapore, I actually left, uh, went to Australia to train with a, a certain coach uh, and a specific group that he had. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed myself. I was there for a year, yeah, maybe a year plus. End of 2006, beginning of 2007, that's when um, after the Asian Games, I decided to retire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, was there a specific um, reason um, for doing that? Or it's like, I've had enough? Or was it another stage of your life that you felt that you wanted to focus on? Yeah, I think, you know, um, so we come back to that internal drive, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, for, to, to do it at that level requires a certain amount of drive. Mm -hmm. And I think I was coming to that place where I felt like I didn't have it in me to do that 100% or 110% anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, and if you're not prepared to do that, then, you know, your, your results are always going to be very mediocre. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like, look, maybe this is it, right? Uh, time to, to call time on this career and, and move on with life and, 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 you know, move on to the next stage of my life. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I did mm -hmm. because uh, I, you know, I had people trying to convince me to stay. They're like, look, you know, just, you know, stay a few more years, you know, um, you, you don't have to train every day, maybe train like, like, like three fourths or half of what you normally do, maybe mm -hmm. just in the relays and, mm -hmm. you know, and I told them, look, I can't do it. I can't do that. You know, that's not me. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be hundred percent in it. It's all you know, or nothing. Gonna, I, yeah. It's all or nothing. <laughs> There's no halfway, you know, I can't do it. I just can't do it. So yeah. So that was it. Yeah. And, and I think for athletes out there who might be listening or people out there, it's actually perfectly all right to know that you don't have any more of that juice left and you if it's not all or nothing then it's okay to step away and move on to do something else right and you've done that perfectly well yeah yeah you know and 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 really it wasn't it wasn't sudden like oh i suddenly don't have that drive anymore i mean i felt it for maybe a year um and i i put off those questions because i i had you know, a major games at the end of the year that I was already committed to. And I said, look, it's not something I can think about right now, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to give it everything I've got. Um, and then when that, when those games are over, then I'll sit down and seriously think about it. Um, and that's what I did. And when I came to that end of the year, after the Asian games, I sat down myself and I said, you know, well, it, I feel like those feelings are still there. I feel like I really just don't have it in me anymore. Um, it would be another two years before the Beijing Olympics. And I'm like, I can't do it for another two years. It was, um, yeah, I really felt like um, that was my time. So, yeah, you know, I retired and, and moved on. <laughs>
Yeah. Nice, nice. And I think, you know, uh, back to that point, right? It's sometimes when people say you're burnout um, and they say that that's because you've given so much that you don't have any more to give, right? On the contrary, it's because it's not that you've given so much that you don't have any more to give because if you have that internal drive, you will have 200, 300% to give and you will always be able to give, yeah. right? So if somebody burns out, it's actually because this person doesn't have that drive anymore and internally, he or she is not motivated to continue doing it uh, for however, yeah. even if it's if it's a week, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, it's two years or five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, you know. Um, and I think a lot of times people don't realize that um, being an athlete, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really wanting to accept a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. People talk about sacrifices all the time and they talk about, oh, you know, what do you have to sacrifice to do this? Or what do you have to sacrifice to do this? And I, and, um, you know, the way I see it is, it's not so much sacrifice. It is simply the lifestyle of an athlete. Mm. It is not the same as the lifestyle of your friend who just goes to school and, you know, um, just does regular stuff. Um, the lifestyle of an athlete is different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being willing to buy into that entire lifestyle, which means, you know, watching your diet, sleeping early, you know, um, being very disciplined with your time uh, and, and learning how to manage your energy levels. I mean, all that stuff. Um, it is part of the lifestyle of being an athlete. Mm-hmm. And it will never be the same as the lifestyle that your friend lives, right? Your neighbor mm-hmm. or whoever that doesn't do sports. And if you keep comparing it, you will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. You have to come to that place and accept that, look, yep, this is what I saw in Matthew. This is what I got to do. It's not a sacrifice. If you think sacrifice, you feel like you've got to trade off something, like, you know, but, you know, every athlete that's going through it, you know, recognizes that this is what you do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, is it the most common? No, because not everybody can be an athlete as well, mm-hmm. you know, not at that level, at least. Mm-hmm. So I think, it's, it's recognizing and accepting that uh, when you um, choose to compete at that level, mm-hmm. um, you are also choosing uh, to accept a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you see it as that, you don't always feel like you're giving up something to get this. You don't always feel like, oh, I'm losing my life here. I'm losing all my years here to this, you know, but rather you are choosing a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe with education, you know, people understand it better um, and they don't see it so much as, oh, you know, I sacrificed my whole youth, you know, to live, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, swimming is also where I, I learned and grew and, you know, and, and that's where all that resilience comes from. That's where mm-hmm. all that, you know, that mental strength and all that emotional strength comes from, mm-hmm. you know. So, no, I didn't sacrifice, like, my whole life just to swim, right? It, it's the lifestyle that I chose. And through that lifestyle, I grew into who I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, it has enabled me to do what I do today. Nice. So, Yeah. Back to, you know, to this point, you're talking about growth. If you had to break down, you know, your 17-year swimming career into different stages or life stages, which would you say was the most enjoyable uh, and the most most growth that you had as an individual? Okay. um, I think 
there maybe were two very um two more significant moments. I think one was when I was in Australia and I moved out to live on my own. Independence. Um, at such a, yeah, at such a young age. That was hard <laughs> though. Some people see it as freedom, but oh my goodness, when you have to pay your bills on time and you have to buy your own groceries and you have to like clean your toilet and you know <laughs> and do all that. Um, yeah, and then buy your own furniture and like who does that at 16 years old, right? <laughs> but um, uh, it, it was it was a steep learning curve. Yeah, but I learned a lot and I grew a lot. Um, and and some days I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't want to do this, but you just have to do it, you know, because <laughs> there's nobody else to do it for you. Um, and, and and but you learn and you build through that. Um, so. Um, I think that was one um, kind of a significant point. Um, the other one was, I think, when I went to college in the U.S. and I had to learn to work within a team. Uh, so swimming is an individual sport. Mm-hmm. But when we train, we cannot train by ourselves. We have to train with a team. And I think I saw the power of um, working with a team who is competitive, but we're not competitive against one another but but we're competitive with one another so yeah we're all competitive we all want to win um but it was this understanding that we make each other better Mm -hmm. you know and and if you can be competitive with me we can actually make each other better so um look if you're faster than me or you're better at me than this right i want to try and and, and do that as well as you or even better than you and if I can then it also forces the other person to want to try and get better and then you know it's like that kind of ladder you, you keep pushing each other to be better mm-hmm. and um and it was that culture that I learned and I saw for the first time and I realized that you know like when you talk about community you know, what's the power of community? It's really everybody supporting one another, everybody mm-hmm. leveraging on each other's strength, you know, um, uh, compensating for somebody else's weaknesses. And then you move together as a community to get better, to grow, to, you know. And so, um, and so for me, I saw the power of that kind of teamwork. And it was very opposite to what was happening in Singapore. And so it, it was something that really opened my eyes. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is, um, yeah, ne- never, never even knew that, this, mm-hmm. you know, was something that could happen. And so I learned a lot. And of course, it, it was hard because, was, I mean, there were challenges because, you know, the, the women's team alone, uh, so we split into men's and women's teams. Mm-hmm. And so in the women's team, we have like 30 girls mm-hmm. and 30 girls, all who are competitive and all who have different personalities, right? Mm-hmm. And it's then also learning how to work within a team and also work with different personalities because everybody's got their own thing and their own little quirks and they'll, you know, um, so yeah, so it's also learning to how to work through that and mm-hmm. harness the power of a team to to yeah help yourself and then help each other as well you know and then we all get better together um so that was interesting I think that for me I think I learned a lot through that and it's something even today um I realized that um like you're saying like in community right it's how do we work with people around us um to 
um, yeah, to learn, to grow, to, you know, and so when I sit in the Swimming Association Expo right now, mm-hmm. um, we all come to the table with different strengths. Obviously, for me, I think one of it is, is really being an ex-athlete and understanding what an athlete goes through, mm-hmm. um, the thoughts, the emotions, you know, the challenges that they face. Um, so I bring a lot of that to the table. My president, who used to, well, he's retired now, but he used to uh, run semiconductor chip like a company that was listed and that was you know he makes like deals in like the eight nine figure type of things you know and um so so he comes with that level of experience and that kind of a business uh mindset and everything and and, and so, so we all have different strengths and we don't try to fight with one another Mm-hmm. But we try to complement one another. And I think that's what I love about uh, the EXCO, at least the swimming part of the swimming, the people that do with swimming, is that we all come together to complement each, each other's strengths. And, um, and, and that's how we make a good team. Mm-hmm. So I think these are I think a couple of significant things that I learned through my time that I, I still use today. You know, that's helped me and shaped me into who I am and what I do how I go about doing things. Thank you yeah. for sharing all of that, right? We're almost coming to the end of the session, right? Uh, one, one final question, right, uh, Jocelyn. So if you, you could turn back time to sometime in, I don't know, any time from when you were 11 all the way to when you retired at 28, uh, what is the one advice that you would give yourself at whichever point that you feel would, make, would have made a significant impact or difference to how you would have performed as an athlete? Okay, I think... Um... I think maybe I, I, you know, what I would tell myself um, back, uh, you know, it would be, look, you know, to really have fun, like, like not just have fun, but not, not be so concerned about what people thought about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then just go out and enjoy what you, you enjoy doing, you know, mm-hmm. which is competing and, and swimming fast and doing all that. I mean, I, I know it's kind of complex and, and, you know, but, I think, yeah, if, if I, if, if at certain points I could have focused a bit better on not uh, worrying about what everybody thought about me, I think it may be that there were, be, there were major games, there were events, there were competitions that I would have done better at. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I think, um, but yeah, you know, look, my approach really to life is that there is never a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. you know um and I, I feel like every stage that I go through whether it was good or it was bad you know um it's always a learning opportunity and with that learning opportunity comes growth mm-hmm. right um you, you a lot of times you don't see tremendous growth when people are comfortable mm. I right agree. it's only yes. when it's only when you're put through a challenging time or you know you're put through something tough that you come out stronger you find a way to 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 grow and to be stronger i i mean like 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 circuit breaker right mm-hmm. circuit breaker has forced everybody you know to accelerate the plans that they had you yes. know <laughs> uh and and do all that but without that you know you know some things would have never happened you know i mean it's 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 you see it everywhere you know so yeah i mean there's times that have been challenging and i think that um, I, I, I wouldn't trade off anything, you know, uh, because I felt that through every season, good or bad, um, I learned and I grew from that. And I think that has shaped me to who I am today. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess 
advice yeah you know I could give that advice to my my younger self but you know again I, I think I, I wouldn't trade off even the bad part um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because I think it has grown me and has shaped me thank you thank you so much Jocelyn thank you so much for your time yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you yeah thank you for having me Alex really my pleasure it. my pleasure let's catch up again soon all right okay see ya see ya bye-bye You've just listened to the ninth episode of Athletes Grid from Sports to Life. Here are my takeaways from episode 9. Number 1. Visualization is a tool and useful skill we should practice regularly. There are countless examples of how they have helped high-performance athletes achieve peak performance, not just at competition, but also in training. This also holds true for other areas of your life, from work to home and other social settings. Start visualizing your goals and the processes to get there. This trains your mind to recognize it as reality and gets you that much closer to where you want to be. Number two, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. All the major work is done before the big day. Knowing and believing that the work you put in will bring you the results you desire is half the battle won. This then allows you to have fun on the big day, be present in the moment, to enjoy and let everything run on autopilot. Number three, life throws you challenges along the way for you to reevaluate your purpose and your goals. There is no right or wrong answer. It's about making a choice and decision and having that awareness to be comfortable with living out that decision after. Making the best of every choice we make allows us the peace of mind to know it was the best choice at a given time and be happy with it. Number four, High-performance sport is not about sacrifice, it's about choice. Choice of one lifestyle over another. In that same light, if we have the mindset that the decisions we make in life are not sacrifices but are a lifestyle choice, it makes life that much more enjoyable to live and for us to feel more fulfilled. Number 5. Sometimes you need someone to tell you otherwise. Have good coaches and mentors in your midst to be able to offer that support and counsel when you need it. Something someone else says could be an epiphany when you actually already knew it all along. Be open-minded and identify the right people to speak to. If you enjoyed the podcast interview, do follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be kept up to date of new releases as I continue to speak to current and ex-high-performance athletes in Singapore to inspire and motivate with their personal stories of grit and triumph in overcoming challenges and adversity. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you again soon.